week two of the Christmas series. I'm excited to, to jump into this one. Um, and, and my question to you today is, uh, what is it that brings you joy? I, um, I, I like this question because it, it's, and it, listen, it's not meant to be a tricking question. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like temporary happiness versus kind of like eternal happiness. Like I'm not trying to make you think too hard about it. You might call it happiness. You might call it joy. Whatever you call it in this world, what, do you, what, what brings you joy? Uh, maybe think about that. Um, the, the, one of the things that brings me joy in this world is when I would come home from college and my dad would say, I'm grilling out. And when my dad was grilling out, he would grill out steak. And I just, what brings me joy is that. Um, I don't need the green stuff. This green stuff over here is not interest to me. Um, if I could just pass on the sides and have two steaks, I would have two steaks. And that's why I'm in the predicament with my body that I am. Um, but I, steak, steak brings me joy. I don't know for you if like, if you're at work and you see like you're one minute away from, from leaving and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. Or if you're in school, it was probably worse in school for me because you were waiting for like 3.30 or 3.15 or whatever time it was. And that last hour just seemed to tick, 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 you know, and it was so slow. But I don't know if, if uh, th- there's just nothing better uh, for me than when I was in high school leaving uh, leaving school for the day and getting into my car and turning the volume all the way up and driving off that lot, like there's a freeing feeling that like it doesn't get any better than that, right? You know you're going to have to go home, do homework, go to work, do your something, but like there's that moment where you're like free, right? You get to, you get to relax. Um, for you, maybe uh, it's a Buckeye win. Um, literally watching Ezekiel Elliott run over Oregon is a good moment for me. Um, obviously, I wish, wish this, turn, this, this, uh, this would have turned out better this season, um, but, but a Buckeye win is pretty good. It may not be eternal happiness, but maybe it brings you happiness. Maybe Maybe we talked about this last week, the opening uh, presents on Sunday morning for your kids, like it's just the best. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I do enjoy watching my kids. We've got one, one child that just loves everything he opens, and there's no kind of, um, you know, like it doesn't matter what you give. You could give him a box, and he would be ecstatic, and that's Kipton, uh, my five-year-old. Now, Caden, on the other hand, um, he's got kind of the assembly line mindset where he's like, rip, 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 tear, cool, boom, what's next, you know, <laughs> Give, keep it coming. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if you are um, an internet troll like me, you've seen videos of kids opening presents and having good reactions and bad reactions. One of my favorites is um, a child who opened uh, a Nintendo 64 for the first time, and I brought a video. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and roll that. I don't know if you caught that last thing he said. Now we can go to Blockbuster and everyone under 20 said, what was that? What's Blockbuster? What is that? Uh, um, Not too long ago, Jimmy Kimmel, um, 
he, he does these things. I, 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 love, I love watching late night TV, and, and he challenged um, parents on Christmas um, or on Halloween or on different holidays to give their kids something that they obviously would not like. And, um, and so I don't, this is cruel, guys. What you're about to see may scar you, okay? So this is a video of, of parents intentionally giving their kids something that they would not like for Christmas. Go ahead and roll that. What'd you, what'd you, Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Pushing <laughs> that. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. So you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Open it up. You didn't want that for Christmas? You stinking parents! Take this back! Take it back where? This is yours. What did you say about Santa? He put you on the naughty list. Why? Because you gave me a stupid Hello Kitty chest. What did you get, Jason? Some black beans, cheese, and a Waffle House hat. What's in there? A bag of. Oh, you got a Mr. Potato Head. They're from Santa. Are you upset?
You're not excited about your presents? I got ponies. I don't want ponies. They're, they're for girls. Guys, Mine we, is a stupid book. We thought really hard about what to get you this year. Well, you didn't do a very good job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> heartwarming. <laughs> well, you didn't do a very good job. Oh, man. Anyone going to try that out? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm just curious. I, we just need to have the video camera rolling. So, <clears throat> so this is so interesting to me to think about, but to, to think about the things that truly bring us joy. One of the things that we talked about last week was how it was so interesting. Um, we're in Luke chapter 1, by the way, for, for, for this week and last week of our Christmas series. We talked about how um, last week how the angel visited Elizabeth first and told her that she was going to have a child named John the Baptist, and he would be the one to prepare the way for Jesus, who was the other baby who would be born of, of Mary. Um, and they would be some pretty important life-changing cousins um, and uh, John the Baptist was to be born of a, a woman who was barren, who was unable to have children, and Jesus was to be born of a virgin, someone who couldn't have children for a completely other reason, but both were miracles, both were um, announced by God, and it was just a cool moment um, t- to see two humble people, two, two lowly people that, that, and they didn't think very highly of them, them, themselves. The first half of chapter 1, if you read it, you see that they are um, fearful when they see the angel, right? They're both troubled. Um, in fact, I, I heard someone um, this last week use, in another version, um, confused and, and disturbed. They saw the angel, and they were confused and disturbed when they heard the message. And I thought, confused and disturbed, that makes me feel good because sometimes I feel confused and disturbed, and it makes me feel like I'm like... Maybe I should feel perfect. I should always be at a 10. I should always be smiling. And Mary and, and Elizabeth were confused and disturbed. If you read Matthew's account of, of this story, uh, the angel talks to Joseph. And remember, Joseph, remember this situation. Mary is a teenage girl who is, is a virgin, or, or at least is stating to the world that she's a virgin, stating to her um, betrothed right fiancé, in, in, in a sense, um, that she's a virgin, and, and he is to trust God that, yes, she is a virgin. I mean, when the baby bump comes, like, there, there's not a whole lot of trust in the community for this, this teenage girl who, who states that she, you know, has, has kept herself in that way. And so there's lots of trust being put in God, and, and what we are going to see today is Mary's reaction. So last week we ended with Mary um, joyfully kind of receiving this news. Again, at first she was troubled. Then she was kind of maybe confused because she says very clearly, how is this going to happen because I'm a virgin? And, um, and the angel would say, um, you have found favor with God. Uh, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his, in his kingdom, there will be no end. Remember, we said last week that, um, that Jesus fulfilled some 350-something prophecies from the Old Testament into his life, and that is, is just mathematically just beyond my ability to comprehend how big that is. And so imagine yourself being in Mary's shoes, not only um, 
being put in the middle of this scandal of being pregnant as a virgin and keeping trust with the community, keeping trust with your family, keeping trust with with Joseph. Um, But also, um, this is God breaking his silence. He's been silent between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the prophets and, and this Christmas story. There's been 400 years where God spoke no words, spoke no words, generations past, where people would say, I remember when. The prophets used to speak on behalf of God. I remember when Moses received words from God from a burning bush to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let the people go. Um, you know, and so there's these 400 words, and God breaks his silence, and he introduces the kingdom in a way that was not expected. Um, God would send his son to be the salvation for all of us through a baby who would grow up to be someone who is not taking his kingly stance as we would understand it, not walking around, uh, not walking around with a throne or with some sort of, um, or with a crown or with some sort of red carpet or with, with these moments where he demanded all of our, um, he, he, sh- he, he leaned on compassion. He showed us miracles. He, he proved how good God is by his love and his compassion um, and exemplified humility in the fact that he never demanded some sort of palace. Um, he was homeless most of the time, as far as we can tell. Um, and so Mary gets to be this child's, um, this child's mom. And so she goes to visit Elizabeth, and sometime in there, she bursts out in a song of praise. And that is why we start off with the question, what brings you joy? Because what brought Mary joy in this moment was this ushering in of God's uh, kingdom through her. Like imagine the humility involved in that. The creator of the universe would use you to to bring in um, the Son of God. So the first verse, we're going to look at 10 verses today. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 56 And we're just going to take a peek at this first verse real quick. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my soul rejoices in, um, or my spirit rejoices in God my my Savior. Um, The word magnify there is important because this song that she's going to write, you may see it in your Bible, you may not, is called the Magnificat. Um, which is Latin for magnify. And if you were to look at the Greek, which, which the New Testament was written in Greek, um, <clears throat> the Greek word for magnify there is megaluno. Say megaluno. You could name your kid that. That's like, that's good. Like it's kind of fun to say. Megaluno, it means to, to exalt, to, to honor highly, to lift up. Um, and, and it's interesting because the word magnify for me, if you read through the Psalms, there's all kinds of this magnification language. And uh, for me, as a teenager, I was always kind of wondering, well, magnify, I just don't get it, magnify. Because sometimes I would think about it as this idea of magnifying glass, because when you're in middle school and you have a magnifying glass, you go outside in the hot summer heat and you fry ants. And, and it's like, magnify. I don't exactly know how that translates to this. You guys are shaking your head like, silly boy. Uh, this is what I did in my childhood. So there's two ways to translate magnify. Um, really, you, you, could, you could look at it as a microscope, which is taking something small and making it appear larger so that you can see it, right? Think, um, think Jurassic 
uh, Park, the very first movie, and I see that in the theater. Um, I'm, I'm quite young, but not quite young enough to, to, to watch that movie. And, and I remember um, there's that scene where everything is kind of starting, and they're looking in the mirror, and there's that little thing at the bottom that says, objects may appear larger. Um, and, and the dinosaur, who is big, um, is kind of looming at them, um, but we know that that mirror kind of shows things. And if you have a freak-out moment in those tight parking lot spaces where you're like, am I going to hit the car when you're in reverse because it looks a little bit closer? Or think about a middle school when you were in science class and you got to see those things that you couldn't see with the naked eye, and all you knew was that it was this tiny little drop on this tiny little plate, but when you looked in the microscope, there's things like moving around, and you're kind of like, had a moment there where you thought you saw some kind of disease happening under that plate. But no, there's things you can't see that a magnifying glass or, a, or, or something like that will show you. A telescope, on the other hand, will show you something that is larger than it appears. And it will show you something um, that is larger than it appears as big as it actually is. So think of a telescope. Think of um, my son got a telescope for Christmas last year and um, and, and we go out every once in a while, and we try, and it's a tiny little, it's like a toy telescope. So he, um, he took it outside during the day this week because he wanted to look at the sky through a telescope, you know, but we, it's, we can hardly ever see anything through this telescope, but I've always wanted to. Um, and, 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 and I think sometimes when I think about this word magnify, it helps me to, to think about the stars. Um, and I wanted to show you guys a couple pictures from the NASA website. This is the Milky Way galaxy. This is a picture taken. If you ever want to just um, uh, have a moment of, of worship, really, go on the NASA website and look at the pictures they've taken. It's incredible what's available to us. So this is the Milky Way galaxy, and this is you're kind of looking at it from, from, from that standpoint, right? Um, but yeah, go ahead and go back to that other picture. This is kind of looking at it from the top and and... And if you want to know how small you are, right, that right there that you can't see, there's our sun. Not our planet, not our, like, because sometimes we look at that and we're like, we're like, this is like our solar system, right? No, this is our galaxy. This is 100,000 light years across. 100,000 light years across. And, and I did some research this week on our, on our galaxy, and, 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 it's, and it's cool um, to learn and, and scary at the same time because you realize how much stuff is happening out there. Like our solar system is apparently traveling at 515,000 miles per hour. And I'm like, how am I standing straight right now? Right? Like, that's crazy to me. So the solar system, 100,000 light years across, um, it's, it's, this, it's got this bar in the middle. And, and you would like to think that you're in the center of your own universe because, right, we kind of humans or 21st century Americans, we like to think that, no, we're out here. And you want to be here because this right here, there's like a, a black hole. And you can't really take a picture of a black hole. But what uh, the astronauts say is that they can take pictures and they can take uh, images of, they, they can see the, the gravitational pull. This thing is eating stars. Um, you know, and there are 200 billion stars, um, more so than that, in our, in our galaxy. But this thing is just slowly eating stars. And I'm like, should that worry any of us? Because I feel like essentially it's going like this, and eventually that's going to be us. And in fact, I, I did some reading, and, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's timelines, and I'm not an astronaut, but I'm just reading you what I read. In 400 billion years, our galaxy is actually supposed to collide with another galaxy. I was like, I wonder what that's going to be like. 
And is like our grandkids and, and our great-grandkids, obviously in 400 billion years, like our ancestors down the road. And what I read is that, no, our planet is not actually going to be inhabitable at that point because the sun will balloon up and, and it, won't, it won't be able to. Like, is any of this making you feel small? 100,000 light years across, right? There's the sun, right, which is the center of our solar system, right? If you're feeling small right now, let me kind of pump the brakes and go backwards a little bit. We all know the sun, and none of us would consider the sun inconsequential, right? The sun is this giant ball of gas. But put this picture of this, the sun up, and you'll see, like, that is not inconsequential in our galaxy, in our universe. But it's just a blip on the screen in the Milky Way. And I think, when I think about this word magnify, I think there's this big ball of fire that is consuming. I, 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 I did the research on what it would take to power the sun. Like, I, I looked, I saw some figures. I couldn't even contemplate Right, like it would take all of our energy companies all to to maybe run this for for a, a second. Like it's we have no contemplation of what is going on with the with the sun, this big ball of gas in the sky that sometimes shoots flames, you know. And 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 we see it if you go back to the Milky Way. There it is, you know, and that's our Milky Way, and that's our galaxy, and I and I. <clears throat> I think about that when I think about magnifying the Lord and, and the very little that we can see and we're relying on, on images that astronauts are taking and, and I'm so thankful for those, but it reminds me that there is more going on outside of my world, right? I look at that picture of the sun versus, in the dot form versus like the big ball of gas that could, you know, kill you in, in, a, in a nanosecond, um, and, and I think about how tiny it is in our universe and how incredible, incredibly important it is to us as a source of light, as a source of energy, and all these things, and um, it reminds me sometimes when I feel small, right, when I feel um, maybe inconsequential, it helps me to remember that when Mary sings this song, my soul rejoices in the Lord, right? He magnifies the Lord. His spirit rejoices in, his, in her Savior. Um, it, to me, it makes a big difference to know that that's what magnification is, that that, that is what God is doing, that God is, is, is aware of all of these stars because God has placed all of these stars and God has named all all of these stars, and God knows what is happening in our universe, and, and he knows intricately what is going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your world. He knows what's going on with your problems, and he calls you friend. I, I was reading um, while we were listening to that song earlier, um, Psalm 46, and I didn't put this in a slide or anything. Psalm 46 just the first verse says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Right? God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. 
I, I, I think about the bigness of the universe, and I think about how small that makes me feel, and it makes me think about how God created the, the, our solar system in such a way that some, somewhere like a blip on the screen here is a sun, and that sun is perfectly distanced from earth so that we would not burn up and so that we would not freeze up. And, and we are the darling of his creation because in Genesis 1 through, through 2, there's all this creation of the sun, the moon, the stars, the expanse, the ocean, the lands, the animals, the, the birds, the, the everything, and he calls it good, right? The light, and he calls it good, and then he creates man and woman, and he calls it very good, very good. And he, he, he loved us so much that he would send his son. So, so understand when Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, Magnifying the Lord means something to me now, right? It means something, that God is involved in everything, right? I may not know what's going on even in the library right now. I may not know what's going on across town. I have no idea if maybe someone is breaking into my house. God knows all of that, and he knows what's going on on the other side of the planet, and he also knows what happens 10 years from now and 100 years from now and a million years from now. God knows all of it. Here's what I say, that God knowing all of that and having all of that power and still being acquainted with us shows us how good he is. The universe is incredibly large. God created it all, and he is intimately acquainted with you and me. So in verse 46 to 56, just 10 verses of a song here, Mary sings this song. She bursts out in song. She's just found out she's going to give birth to Jesus. And here's, here's the song. My, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You're going to notice, by the way, eight moments where she says, he has, and then it follows. You might even be able to count a ninth in there if you're doing some grammatic work there. But um, eight times she says, he has, and then she talks about what he's done. So he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. Um, remember that she needed to hide out because in the background of the story, if you read other versions, um, in, in other, uh, especially in Matthew and and in other places, um, it talks about how Herod was, had heard about this, this king of the Jews that was being born, and he was interested in ending this king of Jews' life. So he was um, doing some pretty terrible things, trying to get rid of children so that he would keep his throne. Um, so she escapes, spends some time with Elizabeth, um, and, um, and she sings this song. So she says eight things. Um, and I just want to put those on the screen real quick. He has looked on the humble estate of a servant. I, I love that she starts here because notice that she kind of branches out from, from her into kind of what God has done in the world. Um, but he has looked on the humble estate of a servant. What, what I love about Mary is that she recognizes that she's nothing special. 
She recognizes that she's nothing special. In fact, her song speaks all about the people that, that are humble. Um, in, in, in different passages in the Bible, God exalts the humble and he lowers the proud. The, 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 he, he abases them is kind of the Bible language for that. He, he takes them down a notch, right? If, if he needs to remind them um, to, to, to put their trust and their faith in him, he has looked on the humble state of his servant, but, but he looks... And he uses Mary because she's not looking for any, she, she understands that, that she is who she is. And I think there's something to be said for humility. But what she's saying is, look how good he is. He, I, I mean nothing to this world, right? She looks at the picture of the sun in the, the Milky Way, though she didn't have that kind of science back then. And she would say, yeah, who, who am I? Who am I to be used by God? He's done great things for me. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in their thoughts. Verse 5, or the fifth thing that, that uh, she says there, he has brought down the mighty and exalted the proud. Um, that's not right. He didn't exalt the proud. That's a mistype, isn't it? Um, he exalted those of humble estate. This is what happens when I type notes late at night. Um, he exalted those of humble estate. He filled the hungry with good things. He has sent away the rich, empty, and he's helped his servant Israel. This is a woman who, who is singing a song because she realizes that God has done something in her, um, but that through this child, uh, the world is going to be impacted. If you remember, um, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but I think this is important because she talks about it. Um, Abraham, way, way, way back in Genesis 12. I mean, this is... This is not long after creation. Um, God sees uh, a man named Abram, actually, and renames him Abraham later um, and calls and makes a covenant with him. This is um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, not going to be on the screen, but I'll go ahead and read it for you. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your own country, your kindred or your family, your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, it, it would go on, and there would be lots of communication. And, and all throughout the Old Testament, people would refer back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because in that moment, God was instituting the plan. And it would take a long time, right? Because Abraham was alive thousands of years ago, and uh, Jesus wouldn't come, you know, until 2,000 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, some people would say that uh, Abraham was born, um, gosh, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, a thousand years after creation. Who knows? You know, there's lots of different interpretations. But, but between, um, between, like, this statement and Abraham, there was a long line of families calling back to the moment where God said, I'm going to bring a plan of salvation, and it's going to be through your family if you'll just trust me. And Abram, Abram was a man who, who trusted God even when it didn't make sense and, um, and was used by God. He would have sons who would have sons who would have sons who would have sons who would have a boy named David, right? And, um, and later on, by the way, this is why you don't skip over genealogy. Genealogy is very interesting if you study it. Um, if you study, there's genealogy, 
in the first chapter of Luke and in the first chapter of Matthew, there's kind of Joseph's genealogy and Mary's genealogy kind of there together. And you can see where Abraham led to David, led to eventually Jesus. And in Jesus' line, there's all kinds of people that weren't perfect. There's all kinds of people. In fact, in, in those days, genealogy was supposed to be made up of men, right? Because that's what they were kind of really good at, was making sure that the men were honored, right? We've, we've grown up a little bit since then, uh, a, a little bit. Um, and and in, those, in those genealogies, they did something scandalous and included someone who was um, not a man, and they would go and, and include her, and that was, in a sense, to to show how much that those people who were lowly in, in that culture and in that day, yeah, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 all the way to 17, you can read it later, and then Luke chapter 1, verse, uh, where is it? Well, it's elsewhere. Where did I find it? Anyway, if you read through all of that genealogy, you see just how much it mattered. Yeah, chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 to 38. You can go back and you can read the history, right? The ancestry of Jesus. And listen, it is full of people who didn't have their lives all together. And I think what God is trying to say in this moment is, Mary, someone who, who is of humble estate, Abram, someone who trusted me, even though it didn't make sense. People all through the genealogy, David. David, who was a man after God's own heart, but messed up pretty significantly, right? We see, we see songs all through Psalms of him praising God, but we also see songs where he's like, God, where are you? I don't know you. I can't, I can't sense you. And uh, I love those because it reminds me that David didn't have it all together, um, there's all these stories of uh, all throughout the Bible, um, but especially here in Luke. And I just want to say that Mary's song of praise, this this what it's called in Magnificat, when she talks about all these things that God has done, and 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 even even greater so with the technology that we have today to look at pictures of not our solar system, but our galaxy, not just our sun, but just this entire span of solar systems that we're a part of, that God created. It reminds me that when God makes me a promise and comes through, when, when God has made other people promises and comes through, that yeah, he's involved in the gigantic right nature of creation. He's, he's involved in all of that. He is, he is holding everything together, but... He's also involved in the intricate details of our individual lives. I'll never forget when I was a teenage boy, um, and, and this, this story is, is how I came to know God. When, when I was a teenage boy, and um, I'll be honest, I was in high school, and um, there, was a, there was a bully in my life. I don't like to tell this story because it's kind of embarrassing, but I got to tell this story because this is how God, the creator of the Milky Way, introduced himself to me. I, I, I'd been in church all my life, but none of it ever mattered. I never got it. I never understood it. I never felt like it made sense to me, and I never felt, felt like it was relevant to me. I had pastors on me every week. I just don't understand. Why don't you make the decision to follow Jesus? And I was just like, I don't know why I should. I, I, I would definitely love to go to heaven and not to hell, I guess, but I just don't, I just don't feel it. I don't, I don't know. 
And then one day when I was a teenager, um, there, was a, there was a kid that was kind of um, making, <laughs> making his best effort to ruin my days. And uh, it's a pretty small problem, right? Pretty small, in, insignificant problem. As far as the Milky Way is concerned, right, there was a kid in my life that I didn't like and that I remember one time he, I mean, this is like saved by the bell bullying. Like he walks up to me with a stack of like cafeteria trays and says, take them up or the football team is going to gang up on you and, and, and beat you up after. Like this is like after school sitcom material, but it was so real to me. I remember one time I was listening to um, probably a CD I shouldn't have been listening to, um, the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, because I'm a white suburban kid and that's what you listen to when you're a white suburban kid on my Discman. <laughs> On my Discman, right? Again, if you're 20 or, or younger, right? What's well, a Discman, right? Like we have these buttons that that just click and, and you can touch it um, and play the song, and um, and I remember he 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 took my my Discman away and my Wu Tang CD and it's probably a good thing, um, but I um, I remember one night in my bedroom, just saying, God, if you're if you're up there, if you're listening, I just need your help with this guy. I, I don't want to go to school. I'm nervous when I go to, I, when I go to, I'm avoiding him. You ever, is anyone else with me, by the way? Like, you could go this way to class, and it's easy, but you know that person's going to be in the hallway, so you kind of take another, like, that was me. I was making every effort to go a different way, and um, I said, God, if you're up there, will you just, will you help me through this, because I'm struggling, and um, <laughs> I said, if you get this guy out of my life, I'll start reading my Bible and I'll pay attention in church. <laughs> that was the deal I made with God. And so the next day I go to school and I do nothing different, right? Because it's like I could camp out outside all day and that wouldn't really be like allowing God to move. And so sure enough, I didn't see him. Um, at least he, he was there. He was there at school. I remember seeing him because I always was like acquainted with where he was in the lunchroom or whatever and uh, didn't see him. And um, the next day, nothing happened. The next day, nothing happened. The next day, nothing happened. And I, listen, I don't know. I don't know what God was doing in that moment. You know, could it, could it have been possible that it was like a, a coincidence? I think that God was doing something in that moment to, to bring me closer to him. And so what did I start doing? I started, I started reading my Bible. I had a friend named Clint invo- invite me to a Wednesday night service instead of just coming on Sunday morning. In fact, the rules back then, because I went to a KJV only, a King James only church, um, and you were not allowed to wear shorts to church, um, even if it was Wednesday night, like it was pretty strict rules and stuff like that. And I remember one time he invited me, he said, there's going to be pizza and you can wear jeans. And I was like, okay, that's exciting. No khakis. All right. Um, you know, and so um, I started paying attention. I went to this, uh, this retreat with them, and, and I had some pretty eye-opening conversations. I remember opening my Bible for the very first time and reading it because I wanted to, and I felt like God just started communicating with me, and I remember, I remember the moment in my bedroom where I was just like, I've grown up hearing these stories, but they've never been real. I, I've heard about David slaying Goliath. I've heard about Moses, right, the Red Sea. Cool stories. They make for really great movies with Christian Bale, really great movies, but, but I never knew what it meant to me until that moment where God, right, the creator of the universe, the creator of, of, of everything that, that scales all the way down to my little address on Copperview Drive, and he would talk to me, and he would 
have intimate knowledge of me. And he would walk me through things. And when I would, when I would pray, he would give me comfort. And that is the God that I want to ask you, challenge you to pursue today. Um, listen, I, I can't make any promises about what's going on in your life. Here's what I do know. He, he knows and that he says he's near to the brokenhearted. If you're going through a rough season, he's near. And, um, and in my own personal life, right, can I, can I give you all the, the, the evidence? I, I say look around, but, but when, I, when I read the word and when I go out and live my life to know that there's a comforter that's with me, that there's a guider that's with me, that, that, that the, the God who would create the universe would know my name, would know the amount of hairs in my head, that would know what's happening tomorrow, right, that is giving me breath to make it through this very talk, that God would do that for me, that he would give me gifts, right, like my family, like this church, like, like, like everything that he does for us, that he would answer prayers. Um, my challenge to you today and my challenge to you through this series is that we would spend some time not just going through the rigmarole of presents and trees and parties and, and all that kind of stuff, but that we would pause and that we would listen to the voice of the Creator. Um, because when I read this, this, <clears throat> this, this song that, that Mary sang, um, it reminds me how much that God has done for us. It reminds me how much He loves us. Um, and it's humbling, but it's exciting because the creator of the universe has come down to be with us, to identify with us, but not only to identify with us, but to, to rescue us, to save us, to give us hope. And that's what Christmas is all about. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, when I think about... Um, when I think about the world that we live in, Lord, it can be a struggle sometimes to, to see how these things happen. But, but I know that in a lot of ways, you are asking us to get involved in all kinds of segments of society, to, to, to bring the kingdom into the world, to, to, to understand that we may be well-fed and that others may not. So maybe it is our job to, 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 to give the hungry food. Maybe when you were singing, um, when, when Mary was singing her song of praise to you, that you filled the hungry with good things. Yes, you filled them with good thoughts and good, uh, that, that, that you filled them with relationship with you, that, that you gave them humility, but you, you used um, people to, to feed them. Lord, I, I thank you for every good gift that you've given us. Lord, it, it is not lost on me that that is, um, that is something that we are to steward, that we are to, to be able to, to, to offer to other people as, as well, Lord, that, that we should not hold this good news to ourselves, but, Lord, as if it were a cure for, for cancer, that we would spread it with the world, Lord, because we feel like we've been given so much that we can't hold it to ourselves. Lord, I, I, when, I, when, I, when I go on NASA's website and I, I see how big of a God you are, Lord, I, I, it reminds me not how small I am, but how valued I am that you would call all of creation good, but you would look at us, Lord. You would look at Mark, and you would look at Hayden, and you would look at Mickey, and you would look at Sarah, and you would look at Rhea, and you would say, very good. You would say, very good. Lord, you, you, you reach out to us. You love us, Lord. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Would you help us to reach back out to you? Lord, would you 
Help us in this moment where, where we sometimes are so busy and that we're thinking about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, Lord, to pause in a busy season and to, Lord, look for you and to listen to you, Lord, that, that, we, would might, that, that we would have a conversation and a relationship with, with the living God, Lord, the creator of all things, Lord, because you love us, that you gave so much up for us, Lord, that we would have a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen.